Taxation by citation. Civil forfeiture. Court fees and prison calls. Are you familiar with these terms, or rather the controversy surrounding them? And I think that's why I need to talk about this today. It's a very important subject that I believe all of us are affected by, whether we know it or not. Welcome to 15-Minute Free Thinking. My name is Carpo, or Joshua. My podcasts are intended to serve as a learning tool for myself and others, as well as a bridge for communication between a society I see as having more potential than we're allowing ourselves to use. I'm fascinated by all things life and love sharing them with others. I appreciate you taking the time to listen wherever you may be, and I hope you enjoy. In this case, let's get into it. Taxation by citation. This is the idea that a government, or a local government usually, will punish a person who doesn't follow by the city codes or laws. Now this is well known in all neighborhoods. If somebody doesn't grow their grass to the right length or paint their house the right color within a local uh, neighborhood group, you know, uh, you have the HOA or homeowners association that tells you how to live. Well, in the wider view, the city also makes laws. And taxation by citation is a way for the city to come in and not just punish people who are not following the laws, but people who may have spoken out against the city. And it's often used as a tool for leverage against people who have spoken, for example, at previous city hall or city council meetings in support of, uh, in support or against certain policies or procedures. There are some cases of people who have racked up $100,000 fines. One person had $165,000 in fines for parking, I believe, trucks on their property. They had already approved it with the city, with their neighbors. It wasn't an issue, but they spoke out at a city council meeting, and therefore the city lashed out back against them. And this was an ongoing issue that they tried to remedy. They tried to pay their fines. They ended up having to get a lawyer. And the thing is, in these civil cases, you you don't get representation, so you have to pay for your own. There are countless stories of elderly people being forced out of their homes because of zoning law changes or sometimes things change and cities change and eminent domain takes place but this is nothing new entire black communities and white communities were forced out of their homes through the late 18 and early 1900s to make ways for industry and then further on for another 20 years 30 years for building freeways and highways People have been forced out of their homes with very little uh, compensation for (laughs) since the beginning of civilization. And in a nation that prides itself on being minimal government, and when you look at the Constitution and the freedoms that we are afforded by the Constitution, they are being infringed on so heavily that most people don't even realize the rug has been swept out from under them. 
So taxation by citation is just one way of cities fining people such high rates for simple things like lawns that are too long or flower beds that they claim are full of weeds when they're really full of a certain type of herb or flower. I mean, the cases are endless. Harvesting rainwater from your own property, growing a garden too close to the street. One lady ended up with tens of thousands of dollars in bills for parking her her car on her own little walkway by the grass because there was nowhere else to park because of other zoning laws, like not parking over the sidewalk, nowhere to park on the street. And what happens is many of these people get forced out of their homes and in the end they become homeless. And oh boy, that's a whole nother story right there, my friends. Well, if you're homeless, you also can't sleep in your car, you can't sleep in certain places. Now this is changing. Anybody who looks around them, who lives in a city, knows what's happening right now. It's easy to point the finger at Los Angeles or San Francisco and say, oh, look how screwed up those cities are. It's bad everywhere, my friends. Here in Portland or in Vancouver, Washington, actually both, the litter and the homeless camps, and it has become so bad. My wife actually started a cleanup crew on our local uh, neighborhood group, which I'm pr really proud of her for doing. Um, I, but it's hard. It's a daunting task to want to, you want to help your neighborhood. You want to, and, and the point being that there are a lot of people who organize to go and help many of these people who need help to clean up their properties, to, for old elderly people to cut their lawn, to help your neighbors to make sure that they're not forced out of their own homes over stupid city laws. But the thing is, many of these laws are pushed just to fill the coffers of the city funds so these rich bastards can use it for their own means. And speaking of the rich bastards, there's plenty of folks out there who do break all the laws and do it the way they want to, and if the law doesn't work for them, they just lobby to get it changed. These are the people who can buy themselves out of court. The reason that in some countries there's a sliding scale fee, for example, for speeding tickets, where there was a case a couple decades ago, probably now, where a guy was fined close to a million dollars, I think, um, in U.S. for, not in the U.S., but if you compared it to U.S. dollars, I think it was around a million dollars for a speeding ticket because of how fast he was driving and because he was a multi-millionaire. And these, these are the kinds of things that seem ridiculous, but at the same time, if there's no incentive for people not to break the rules, then they will break them anyway. And I'm not saying we should charge rich people more for the fines, what I'm saying is we should not charge the poor people all of their money for fines. It should be a sliding scale that cuts off at a certain point. I understand people will break rules, but civil forfeiture is the next one, and this one goes deep. Uh, civil forfeiture I mentioned in a previous podcast. They can take your money, and they can take all of your money. And I'm saying that a cop can pull you over, ask if you have money in the car, doesn't matter what the money is for or whether you have evidence of where you're going with it. He can take that money from you, especially if it's over 10 grand. And in the airports, it's much worse. We have seizures without evidence in the airports, and from my research, from the year 2000 to 2016, the TSA and federal agents and DEA, they did over 30,000 seizures of cash in the airports in the U.S., now that's 30,000 seizures, which totaled over $2 billion taken from travelers. And you won't hear 
most of these stories out of 30,000 seizures, you can't tell me every single one was going to buy drugs. And there are many individual stories. One gal who was had taken her father's life savings in cash and she was supposed to bring it to help him to pay for his, uh, you know, his health care. And sure, a person could say, well, these people are lying. But here's the thing. Most of these cases, over 90% of these seizure cases, do not result in any criminal conviction. And the people are rarely ever arrested when the money's taken. In other words, innocent until proven guilty means you can't take someone's money without a case against them and never give it back. But that's exactly what happens. There are entire drug task forces in the South, down in Tennessee, that monitor incoming traffic from Mexico, the drug groups. But the thing is, they're monitoring the traffic going south, not north, because they know that the money's going back south when the cocaine goes north. They don't want the drugs. So that makes you wonder, why aren't you dealing with the drugs coming in that are actually harming people instead of the money going out? Well, because this money goes to the agencies. Now, search and seizure, often this money, 100% of it sometimes, can go to these departments. This is, allows them to buy more tanks and develop more agencies. And when you create more police, you have to create more crime to justify your needs. And this is unfortunate, but... The thing is, records are really hard to come by on how many seizures that are done. There are no, There is no national database for police to enter all this information of who gets arrested, why, and what forces they have and what groups they have. You would think that a national organization, or a, I should say a nation, that had organization like the police forces would at least cooperate. The thing is, it's not in their best interest to share information with you. So... The lawyers love it. They make a lot of money off of these cases. And it's very unfortunate. But it's perpetuated by the cities, by the lawyers. It's the same thing as cities that work with tow truck drivers to tow cars the minute they show up and park somewhere just because it's this continual game they play. I mean, sure, you park in the wrong place, that's stupid. But to actually prey on your own citizens like that, just like speed traps that you'll see at the coast along here in the northwest. You don't see them in the cities. You see them on the coast where cops are bored and they need to make money for their town. So they pull over travelers going two miles over the speed limit, give them a ticket, and people just accept, oh, well, you just got to drive slow there. You know, it's unfortunate that we live in these days where utilities can be taxed to the point where <laughs> people can barely afford them. And wage can't keep up. There are many aspects to the problems that we face, but when we are picking on people for growing gardens, having their grass too tall, parking on their own lawn, whether we think that they have flowers or weeds, that's only the very tip of this. You know, there was a family that was completely devastated. Every penny was taken from them. It was a well-known case years back. They had applied for all the proper permits to grow and sell cannabis in California, gone through in all the right channels, had everything set up, and in the end, they took, froze every account from the family, raided their homes, took their home, took their cars, took every single penny they had, basically, and it was like a show of force. And we've all heard of people making an example out of someone, but it's 
really bad out there, and a lot of these people don't have a voice. And I would like to say on a side note, if anyone out there listening to this has themselves had this happen to them, or knows somebody who's been affected this way and wants to share their story, I would be more than happy to either interview in person or uh, read the story uh, that you have to share, because these are things that people need to hear. You know, as I said, records are hard to come by, but they should not be. They should be available to the public. When you have a seizure with no arrests and no charges, or when you're forcing people out of their homes for things that they're trying to correct, this isn't working with the public. Even if they are guilty, who is harmed by having money, for example? And as I say, if you're not affected by these things, if you've never had anything happen to you, you've never been wronged or been arrested for something you didn't do or you don't think was wrong, you wouldn't understand. But you may know somebody who has or at least can empathize with those who have. You know, most of the stories you never hear about. And especially the people that are forced out of their homes for simple violations or court fees, which I didn't get into the whole prison phone calls thing, but let's just put it this way. The prison and the jail system is a revolving door, keeps people incarcerated for the sake of profit. And uh, fortunately, the current administration claims they're going to try to abandon for-profit prisons or private prisons, which to me is something that I've wanted for years, along with eliminating the drug war and the revolving door of people going back to jail for simply smoking cannabis or any other drug for that matter, because it's not productive. And uh, it's been proven that isolating people and locking them up does not help people heal, yet we do it because of the money. And that's disgusting. So you force people out of their homes with fines, then you make it illegal to be homeless. And on top of that, the final straw, you know, that broke the camel's back is the fact that there are many cities now that are saying you can't build your homeless shelter here, even if they're in industrial areas or places that are by the city standards, state standards, and federal standards considered to be the very best location. There are people out there who have charity groups who are using their own money to provide and build these shelters to help their fellow man who are suffering through hard times right now and will continue to. And the states are saying, no, we don't want them there. We don't want them there. We can't provide homes. We have millions of empty homes in foreclosure right now that we're not using. This nation is ass backwards in the way that we're dealing with our problems. I wouldn't dare compare us to a place like communist China, which I would never want to live because I believe in freedom of speech. But you don't see the same type of homelessness in the cities in some of these communist nations because they know that it just makes things worse. It's not that they want to help everyone. It's that they know that if everyone isn't taken care of, people will steal. There will be crime. And in this nation, we just lock people up instead of getting to the root of the problem that maybe they can't afford anything because the state is taking away everything they have. Not always the case, but it is often. North Carolina is one of the, I can't remember the city, but that's where they're, one of the places where they're trying to stop a private shelter from being built in this perfect location. And even at the city council meeting, they admitted everything he has is right, the permits, everything, but they don't want it. They just don't want it. On a couple of final notes, one thing that people overlook often is that not just the wealthy, but 
officials, whether they be city officials, county officials, they have immunity the citizens do not have. This means that often when a city worker or somebody else is charged, if they're high up enough, they can basically either buy their way or convince their way out of the problem. This is a well-known situation. I mean, we all encounter people who have this arrogant air about them, whether we know them personally or from television or elsewhere, that know that even if they're charged with something, they will buy their way out of it. In fact, I could think of a perfect example. Bruce Springsteen the other day got arrested for supposedly drunk driving. And I, I just read the article, then I, I just saw this next one that said he was acquitted. And I thought, you know, it's just because the courts, the police, the legal system doesn't want to deal with punishing anybody who may be controversial. But if you're just some average Joe, you will be thrown down to the curb. And this goes way beyond racial motivation. I know there's been a lot of movements about racial injustice, which is a huge issue, but this is universal uh, in this nation, the police abuse of power, but, not, but also political abuse of power. So if the citizens don't have the same immunity and protection that officials do, and we don't have innocent until proven guilty, and we can't say what we want without being harassed, say, by police or anyone else, uh, then what do we really have? And if, even if it is proven that a politician or somebody in a power position has abused their power, there's no accountability for them. You don't hear about people going to jail. It's very, very rare. And even when they do, it's for a very limited time. It's more often that the example is set by the people. You just put some average Joe in prison because he was possessing a small amount of cocaine and you put him in jail for 20 years over it. How do you think that's going to turn out for a society? So these aren't always issues that we choose, but uh, they're issues that our politicians often choose for us. And because of that, as much as in the past I've said voting doesn't matter as much as I'd like it to, I believe that local elections really do matter. When you're voting for your city council, your mayor, these things, these are the people who can be corrupt and bought off by local companies. And it's the most we can do is at least vote for them. And when I was doing some research about what happened the other day in uh, Texas with the power outages, I came across this little article from the Texas Scoreboard, which I believe is an online or local paper. And I wanted to read something from it to you before I go, which might put it into perspective. And it's because it's a place like Texas, which prides itself on being independent and, um, you know, talks of, people always talk about voting. And it reads like this. Our founding fathers envisioned a highly decentralized government built around checks on power to preserve liberty and limit corruption. Yet, like the ancient Israelites, we've tolerated the unbalancing of those checks, even cheering as government power has been concentrated and grown beyond our constitutional framework. Then, we feign surprise when this power is abused and officials are found to have engaged in self-dealing activities. The highest title in our republic is not president, governor, or mayor, but citizen, the greatest power should rest not in judges' chambers, legislative offices, or executive mansions, 
but be held by the citizenry officeholders. Or, sorry, held by the citizenry. Officeholders are not our leaders. They are our servants. Shame on us for offloading our responsibilities as citizen leaders to the hired help. Shame on us for feeding the culture of corruption by making the servants more than they are and enticing them with power to abuse in service to themselves. Shame on us for turning elected officials into idols. We must not tolerate public corruption because our man wouldn't do this, or at least it's not the other party in charge, or even because this is just how things are. Whether it's a top official or a low-level bureaucrat, we are all servants to the citizens. It is not to themselves, their peers, their pals. The public servants owe their loyalty. No, their fealty must be to the Constitution and the citizens first and only. And, most importantly, we must demand it. And it says that was written by a guy named Michael Quinn Sullivan. So, uh... Sometimes I come across something worth reading, but this was the part, a separate article from the uh, Texas Tribune or Dallas Tribune, something like that. This one really opened my eyes. It said, in 2015, the last time our city voted for Dallas mayor, only 6% of registered voters cast ballots, the worst turnout of any America's largest 30 cities, according to a study by Portland State University. Dismal turnouts aren't just a Dallas problem. The percentage of all Dallas County voters casting ballots in May municipal elections has been in single digits for years. Apathy has also stifled turnout in local elections in surrounding counties, especially in years when high-profiled statewide or national races aren't on the top of the ballot. There will be people who promise to serve the public then serve themselves, but as citizens we owe ourselves and our community our engagement in the political process. Every vote matters, and here's why. A vote creates accountability, and a strong voter turnout sends a signal to whomever is elected that they can't fly under the radar. When large numbers of voters go to the polls, the cumulative impact can diminish the impact of special interests to influence local politics. The more voices that rise, the more eyes that watch, the tougher it becomes for the politician to slide into corruption. So, with that, I come to the end of my podcast, and um, I really appreciate you all coming along. Uh, that wasn't definitely not a dig on Dallas or Texas at the end there. Um, I made a video earlier that I haven't uploaded yet that pertains to the energy crisis and how it's being, the fingers being pointed at green energy, at gas, at Texas itself, and, and the issues are wider, the wider implications that we as a nation are teetering on the balance and that this video or rather this podcast here is more about the idea that we are abandoning our middle class and we hear this over and over but um, it's done by forcing people out of their businesses like most of this video, you know, recording has pertained to taxation, civil forfeiture. Naturally, this affects people who are carrying a large amount of money. This may be a drug dealer, or it may be somebody with their life savings. We don't know. Some of the uh, smaller city laws, like growing gardens or grass too tall, these are things that often affect the poorest people. But 
There are also businesses being shuttered right now because of overstepping of bounds by governments, uh, local and federal. For example, with COVID-19, and I hate using that because it's dating this video, but uh, you can't help it. It's, it's going to be around for a while, and uh, even in, you know, almost March of 2021, uh, we're still not able to open businesses fully. My wife, as a server, just went back to work after three months off because we finally have permission to open. And the whole point being that, uh, you know, and my kids just went back to school a couple weeks ago, too, finally, but only two days a week. And there's a lot of confusion and frustration over what our rights are regarding that issue. And the reason I bring that up at the end here is because anything that infringes on the rights of the people has to be discussed. And as much as I do support trying to work together to socially distance, to wear masks where necessary, as much as they may or may not help, just to do everything we can, there's also part of me that says, over the last several months, I've contemplated this, and I realized that, yes, there there are certain instances where it goes way too far. And when you're shutting down businesses for this long and forcing people to wear masks outdoors, uh, there's something seriously wrong. And I'm seeing a major shift in this country towards authoritarianism, but also towards, you know, well, the ogliarchy that it's always been. You know, we have a recycling of politicians and even when somebody different gets in there, nothing really changes. We have to demand more as citizens. But when we look at the big picture, we talk about presidents. This is when, you know, elections, sure, they matter. But it matters more that you participate in at least your local elections for your own sake. Read that thing about the school levies and see if it's worth it. I mean, our our uh, property tax just just went up like $1,200 a year because of the new school bill that passed, which means that our citizens were willing to pay more for good schools. But at the same time, you know, what if you don't participate in that school system? And this is the point, is that we're all members of a society that we have to participate in. But often people don't really take any action or have a voice until they are personally affected just like with these types of overbearing search and seizure laws that so many have been affected by. So once again, if you have a story to share and you'd like me to share it about, you know, anytime you've been wronged by authorities or by your city, feel free to send me an email and um, I'll definitely share it with the world because, you know, too many people don't have a voice about these things. So thanks for listening. This podcast is free for everyone to download and listen to. I don't have any ads or paywalls, and it's fully supported by donations through Patreon or PayPal. Patrons have access to the video versions of many podcasts, as well as various blogs and writings I share. For more information or to join the discussion on these podcasts, visit my Discord server page called 15-Minute Free Thinking, where I have several categories about different subjects. I share my thoughts and pictures there, as well as links to my videos and podcasts. I don't have Facebook or Instagram or any other social media besides YouTube. I have been using Twitch a little bit for live streaming, but I find many of these take up too much time with little return. In the modern day of communicating online, it's hard not to get sucked in, but uh, I'm eternally grateful for not only the platform to share my thoughts, 
but for you, the listener, who make it all worthwhile. Because, let's be honest, it's always better to share with someone else. My intention in making these podcasts is to better understand my world, my fellow man, and myself. Some subjects may be controversial, but I always try to keep a fair balance, being fully aware that some bias is inescapable. I feel a passion for sharing knowledge and researching about everything I see and hear, to the point where there's nothing that doesn't interest me, except perhaps some more of our modern nonsense. But in time, I'm sure even that will pique my interest. So thanks for coming along, and I hope you join me in the future. And uh, be well, my friends. Take care out there. And I'll talk to you next time. Bye now.